for many of you that know my work by now, I think my main goal in supporting people is to guide you back home to your true self, to who you truly are underneath the various aspects of your personality, your fears, your wounds, your triggers, your humanity in a way. But also my perspective is very much that we're here having a human experience, so we need to embrace our humanity. So it's not about escaping, avoiding, getting rid of, neglecting. It's really about walking towards these various aspects of ourselves, which sometimes are really challenging, as a means of coming back closer home, coming back home, really, (laughs) to who we truly are, the essence of who we are. So today I want to talk about What are some of the tools? So I'm going to touch upon the Enneagram and maybe go into a few other things because tools are an incredible way of helping us learn more about ourselves. And when you know more about yourself, you have more freedom, more um, quote unquote control. I don't mean that in a controlling way, but you have more of an awareness of who you are. And so there's just more to work with. And and it ends up, in my opinion, in my perspective, in my experience, the more you know yourself, the more freedom and liberation you can create for yourself because you understand what are the areas where you need to take care of yourself, how do you give yourself what you need so that you can be liberated, happy, fulfilled, at peace. So that's what we're going to dive into today. This is Corinne Bloom, and you're listening to Raw Conversations. I've always been curious about getting to know who I am on a deeper level and who others are. Um, When I was young, I was really interested in psychology and human dynamics, and I think that's probably why I'm doing the work that I'm doing now. But really, um, for me, the, the, the greatest catalyst for being this, on this path was when I had to um, end my career very early on as a professional ballet dancer due to an injury. And I asked myself the question, who am I without the identity of being a dancer? So it wasn't based on what I was doing or who I was in the eyes of the world, of others, but really, who am I? And so that was the beginning of my kind of internal spiritual search path journey, if you will. And then in my mid-20s, early mid-20s, a mother of a friend of mine from grade school, I don't know how she contacted me, and she had just learned about the, she'd been studying the Enneagram, and she thought, oh, you might be interested in this. Would you like to meet and have a conversation and see if we can figure out what your type is. And so we did that and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I got the book that she had recommended, which is called The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson. And um, I'd also partaken in some panels that she was doing. And so I, I, I learned about this system. And when I discovered which type I was, I was like, oh, I'm not the only one that feels this way. 
And, and there were some things that were a bit triggering because with all of the types, you're like, mm, no, I don't want to be that, or I don't like that. Or, you know, there, there's certain things and almost the more that you have this, like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. That's probably pretty indicative that, that that's your type. And, um, but it was so helpful. It was so incredibly helpful. So I want to in, in present a little bit of the Enneagram, and I'm by no means an expert. Um, there are some wonderful people out there that are. I would definitely recommend that book. Um, there's also Beatrice Chestnut. There's Suzanne Stabile, which I've just only recently come across. Um, there's so many that have been in this field for 30 40 years. And um, it's it's not something that's meant to pigeonhole you. You know, it's kind of like astrology where I don't know enough about astrology, um, but you can feel like it puts you in a box. But I, I really liked what Su Suzanne Stabile said is, let me just at least tell you what box you're already in. <laughs> and then you can grow and evolve from that place. So the perspective of the system of the Enneagram is that you're born with it. However, your childhood can certainly affect your personality and form your personality. And I think the Enneagram just shows how do we cope within our lives? How, do we, how did we cope in our, um, in our family, in the dynamics between our parents and, you know, friends, peers, all of these things? And, and so it's not meant to pigeonhole you. It's not meant to put you into a box, but it can just, what I've learned over the last probably nearly 20 years of, of um, following this path myself, and then I, I, I use it a bit in my work, people that are willing to take the test, but I also can kind of have a sense. I don't try to typecast, so to speak, but I do have a sense maybe. And the reason why I think it's so helpful is because... Ultimately, it's not to judge. It's the complete opposite of that. It's not to say, oh, you're that number, so you're like this, right? It's, it's to understand that we're different. And Suzanne Staville says, it's nine different ways of seeing. So there's nine different personality types, but I love how she says it's nine different ways of seeing. So if you were to put, let's just say nine people up against a fence and they were 20 feet apart, and they could only just see over the fence. She's like, you would have nine different ways of seeing what's on the other side of the fence. And I love that because I think now more than ever in a world that is kind of so chaotic and, um, you know, the internet leads, lends itself to, you know, a lot of criticism and bullying and division. And um, I think now more than ever, we really need to embrace our differences and to understand that there are differences between us. There's also a lot of similarities, a lot, a lot, a lot. And of course, that's a beautiful thing to focus on as well. But we've kind of gotten into this trap of we can only be friends with people that see the world exactly the way we do, that have the same opinion, that have the same political belief, that have the same trajectory in life. All of these things, we've gotten very homogenized. And actually, diversity is a really beautiful thing. And when we can see that we see things differently from one another, we can have greater understanding of how like, oh, that person experiences life in a different way that I 
do. They have a different motivation than I do. They have different needs. They have different fears. They have different desires. And in that, can we have greater compassion and therefore greater harmony and also greater unity because we're embracing all aspects of being human as a reflection, as we reflect as human beings. So I think it's an amazing tool to help us understand not only ourselves, but to understand others and in our relationships and in our family dynamics, most especially, it is so helpful. And, you know, the Enneagram right now has gotten very popular and some people say, oh, it's like, yeah, trendy Enneagram. They don't like trendy Enneagram because it's like... Again, I've just fallen upon Suzanne Stabile, so I'm I'm quoting her a lot, but she was like, you don't pick your type according to how you order your salad. <laughs> like, that's really superficial. You can't figure this out from, you know, a 10-question test. It's a very profound system that goes back to, well, beyond, but I know that the philosopher Gurdjieff really brought it to the fore. Um, but it's a very, very intricate, complex system. And it's not even just the nine personality types. There's actually 27 because there's subtypes, there's wings. It, there's so much. And I don't want to overwhelm you with the detailed information right now. But just to give you an idea, there's there's various different titles for each of the nine uh, personality types. But I'll just give you um, one of them for now. So one is the reformer. Two is the helper. Three is the achiever, four is the individualist, five is the investigator, six is the loyalist, seven is the enthusiast, eight is the challenger, and nine is the peacemaker. No one number is better than the other or more evolved or less evolved than the other. They're all different. They all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. Um, What drives the types is less about behavior and more about motivation. What is the motivation? How are they seeing life through their lens? And again, I just want to reiterate, it's been a beautiful thing for, I'm kind of re, um, refreshing my knowledge on it. So I've been watching panels online and I, I just find that as I watch these panels and, you know, there might be three or four people that are representing that particular number and they have different subtypes. I just watch with really such great kind of, um, compassion and, warmth in my heart because you know it's so easy to look out in the world and just be like people suck (laughs) and I think a lot of this comes down to actually consciousness I think what makes people suck is when they're not conscious and I don't mean that I'm not saying that from like a superior judgmental uh, place it's more just that the importance of consciousness and when someone has consciousness and self-awareness like I said at the beginning, there's so much more that we can do. There's so much more to work with. There's so much, there's a greater understanding. There's greater profundity of compassion. And then you really see like, wow, humans are these amazing creatures and beautiful. And all of us are trying our best and all of us have our fears and all of us have our deepest desires. And there's something really, um, connecting about it and just heartwarming is the best way I can describe it. So, you know, it's really easy to live in a world that is, I think, very disconnected from its true nature as a humanity. It's really easy to go into judgment and separatism and pointing the finger and blaming and, 
criticism and all of these things. And actually, we really need these tools to bring us back together again. I also think um, that having tools to get to know who you are is just so invaluable. Because otherwise, like being human, like, wow, it can be overwhelming. <laughs> you know, it can be confusing or it can be scary even for some. Again, like depending on your type, you will see and perceive and experience life differently. But it's a lot, you know, and and the the kind of the big greatest question of what is the meaning of life, right? And why doesn't life come with a manual? Well, because to me, it's not the answer. It's the question. It's questioning what is the meaning of life for you? And there is no manual because there is no one right way. It's an experience and it's made up of experience after experience after experience in which provides the opportunity for us to understand ourselves more and to understand others more and to understand, I'll get a little bit existential and philosophical now, that really this is just consciousness having an experience through the form of being human or, you know, okay, through the form of being a plant or an animal or, you know, you can, you can bring it down into the smallest of details, but it's just an experience. But the, the tools for me have been so helpful, whether it's the Enneagram, um, I'm learning a little bit about human design, you might be interested in um, astrology, you might be interested in the chakra system, or th there's so many tools out there. And I think really whatever you feel drawn to is going to be the most helpful, and that can change from phase to phase in your life. But it just gives a context and, and so one of the things that you might have heard me talk about, or if you've worked with me one-on-one, -on -one, I often will say um, that a lot of doing this inner work is to create the ability to self-reflect, to have self-awareness, to create enough space between who you are and your behavior who you are and your personality. Now, we need to be in harmony and in, um, in a good relationship with our personality. You are not your personality, but your personality is a part of who you are. And without it, like this whole kind of spiritual, no ego, no ego, no ego, you have to have an ego, otherwise you're not a human being. However, how you relate to your ego, how you relate to your personality, are you in healthy, a healthy version of yourself. So this is something else that uh, another aspect of the Enneagram is, are we in our healthy average or unhealthy traits? And we can fluctuate between all of them. But obviously we want to, um, I don't want to say strive for, but like, you know, we want to be in the healthiest aspects of ourselves and then be super loving and compassionate and understanding and patient when we're not. Because being human is complex and our personality is complex. But again, the more you understand the aspects of your personality, the more you have to work with. And, and so this is really um, something to support you, to create that space so that you cannot get so entangled and enmeshed with how you're feeling or what you're thinking or what you're afraid of or what you're anxious of or 
what does that person think about you or what, you know, we can get so identified, over-identified with our personality, over-identified with our habits, over-identified with our coping mechanisms and our trauma and our wounding. So doing the inner work and creating self-reflection is to create enough space where you can see things as objectively as possible, which I, I prefer actually using the words like from a clear lens, not a tinted lens that is really reflecting your beliefs about yourself, if you're not worthy, if you don't feel good enough, um, if you don't feel lovable enough, if you don't feel significant enough, that's going to be a tinted lens. You're going to see life through that lens and everything is going to reflect back to you. See, I'm not good enough. See, I'm not worthy. See, I'm not lovable. See, I'm abandoned. See, all of, all of the belief systems that come in and the narratives and the stories that go along with them. So the inner work is to really create that space of understanding who you are, your true self, the essence of who you are, which is innately lovable, innately worthy, innately good enough, innately divine, that you don't actually need to be any better than who you are right now. But life and, you know, small and big traumas and woundings and getting hurt and all of these things kind of lather on, slather on experience after experience and kind of create or um, depending on what personality we're coming from will maybe even um, what's the word I'm looking for define even further those those characteristics and personality types and we want to get to a point where we can work with it and and so therefore it's not controlling us the tail isn't wagging the dog as you've heard me say many times, but that we have an understanding of how to work with various elements of our personality. So um, I'm not going to go into my personality type, but the, the, um, the example that just came up in my mind. So I'm, a, I'm an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person. 28, our nervous systems are actually different. There's the science for this. This is not just woo-woo. <laughs> um, we make up 20% of not only the human population, but also the animal population. And it just means that our nervous system is wired in a very different way. So our senses are heightened. I have an insane um, sense of smell, hearing, sight, feeling, tasting, all of these things. But one a part of the challenge of that is that I can get really ov easily overwhelmed and I can get stressed. And I remember there was a point in my life I would say even five to 10 years ago, where I really had this thought of like, I don't like this about me. I don't want this. How do I get rid of it? How do I get better? How do I get over it? Whatever. It was like, I wasn't really accepting that because especially, um, well, especially the marriage that I was in with the, the personality type that he was, which was the polar opposite of mine. Um, there wasn't really the, the understanding or the empathy for that. So, but I also wasn't empathizing. I was being judgmental of this part of me. And, and in, a, in a world, in a society, I should say, that tends to glorify certain types. It glorifies people that are invulnerable, like emotions are not good. So if you're not emotional, that's better. If you're, um, if you're an achiever, if you're really in your mind, um, th there's definitely a, a bias, let's say, towards this is the better kind of person to be. You should be extroverted. You should not be sensitive because if you're sensitive, you're too sensitive, too vulnerable, too emotional, right? We have all these adjectives that make a judgment out of just 
human traits, human personalities. And if you get to know the Enneagram, you'll notice that there are nine different ones. One is not better than the other, but our modern society likes to say this way is better. And, and with that said, like for instance, the, the eight, which is the challenger or the boss, our modern society really likes male eights, does not like male, uh, female eights. So again, even within a type, you can have this, this judgment and this criticism. So really the point is to get out of all criticism, but living in this world where there are a lot of judgments we've all the more reason to kind of come back home towards ourselves and understand who we are and have a build a cultivate a better understanding not only of ourselves but others so anyway going back to to what i was describing about myself when i got to the point where i just was like i think maybe it was around the time that i learned about hsps maybe i had already known about it but I got to this place of like, oh, that's just a part of my nervous system. It's just a part of who I am. And the moment I allowed it and I accepted it, it was no longer a problem that I needed fixing or getting rid of. It was something that I just needed to tend to, to take care of. And like anything, there's always the light and the shadow. There are two sides of the same coin. So the fact that I'm an HSP makes me very attuned to what is around me, makes me very attuned to how other people feel, makes me very empathic, makes me very intuitive. So there, there are always gifts and challenges. Always. You know, there, like, again, there's no one thing that's like, oh, that makes you a bad person. Oh, that makes you a weak person. Oh, that's not a good thing. Again, that's, that's a criticism. That's a judgment. And nothing is black and white like that. So the moment that I just recognized, okay, these are the gifts that come out of that and let me celebrate them. And then these are the challenges or these are the areas in which like, okay, knowing that I'm an HSP, and again, it's not to label, it's not to pigeonhole, it's not to put you into a box, it's just to help you better understand. So if people are listening, oh, she's an HSP, she must be like this, that, and the other. No, get out of judgment, get out of projection. You don't know someone until you sit across from them and you listen to their story with an open heart. And that's another thing we've got to get out of projecting, assuming that we know who someone is without getting to know them first personally. So, you know, I, I just need to know when are the times that I need to take care of myself? How do I take care of myself? So I need time out. I need time alone. I need time in nature. I need to refuel and recharge my battery, and that's how I do it, is by, by spending time with myself. Now, according to the Enneagram, every different personality type is going to have their own way that they need to recharge, and they're going to have their own set of challenges. So again, the tools are there to just, once you go, oh yeah, I resonate with that. Yeah, that, that rings true for me. And again, you might not like it. You might go, oh God, I don't want that to be my personality type. But when, what I loved, I just was watching a panel of ones on the Enneagram and I can't remember exactly what this man said, but he said one, you know, him being his true self is really accepting who he is. So once he really, because he had, he had typed himself actually as a different type. And then when he really stepped into who he truly was, so he came out of the closet and he um, 
there was something else where he just started to really express himself more. He all of a sudden recognized he was actually a different personality type. Now, just a side note, we don't change personality types. You're born with it in, in the Enneagram system. But you might think you're, you're another type. So that's why it's really important to just not take a 10-question test online. Like, it's really important to go deeper. But he recognized, even though there was a lot of like, oh God, that type has this and this and this and that, and that might not be all that desirable from his perspective. Once he landed in it and he goes, yeah, but this is who I am. He said, that felt so wonderful. It felt so liberating. And it was also the beginning of, again, yes, the challenging aspects. Once you know, okay, these are my challenges and I have a choice as to how I work with them. I have a choice of how I want to evolve and grow through and with them, then that is so empowering. And then that's just going to bring us more into our true self. Because if we're trying, you know, I remember I watched, I listened to another podcast and the host was saying, oh yeah, I typed as a three, but when I, when I was doing the test, I so wanted to be a seven because sevens are fun and all of this. I wanted to be a seven. It's like, yeah, but you don't, you know, and she was making fun of herself and she's like, you know, but she embraced her type and she loves that now, right? Because you don't want to spend your energy, your precious energy being anyone else other than who you are. And you can even set the Enneagram aside, like put all of that away to the side, that still rings true. To be someone that you're not takes an extortionate amount of energy. It is exhausting and it's unfulfilling because it's not authentic. And that's why, like, be who you truly are with your foibles, with your quirks, with your neuroses, with your fears, with your anxieties, and just love the hell out of all of it. Because the more true you are to yourself, that's what will bring you to happiness. Not because you're happy and that you need to be happy all the time, but because you're at peace, because you're not fighting against who you are. You're not in conflict with who you are. The greatest suffering is when we're resisting who we are. And, and when I say who we are, it's the combination and the culmination of all of these things. Who you truly are is very important to get to know. It's really important to get to know the essence of who you are, the soul, if you will, or as I've shared in previous episodes, the canvas that's behind the painting. It's like really vitally important to get to know what that is, the essence, the energy, the quality, the texture, the feeling, the knowing of, of who that is, who you are. And, and who you are is also the various aspects of your personality. So get to know it all and no one part is better or worse. If there's a part that's challenging there's no getting rid of, I say this in every consultation, there's no getting rid of, there's nothing to fix because there's nothing wrong because you're not broken. It's just there are parts of you that need your loving attention. There are parts of you that you need to embrace and alchemize. You know, so if your inner critic is super strong, it's not about getting rid of the inner critic because sometimes the inner critic is really important. It could be life-saving actually, but it's about understanding or working with it in a way so that it's not hurting you, but that you're using it for the, for the good. 
I'm an emotionally centered person. So in my 20s, I certainly felt like I was being run by my emotions. The tail was definitely wagging the dog. So it wasn't about getting rid of my emotions. And it wasn't about like, oh, no, I can't. I shouldn't go to those emotions. I should only go to these emotions. It was about using them and their wisdom so that they're not running the show, but that I, I can make a choice when I'm going into a place where I'm like, mm, you know what, that's not benefiting me. But sometimes actually I have to go into the darkness. I have to go into the depths because that's where I've really learned a lot about myself. And when I've hit rock bottom, I've always had the most illuminated moments that come out of that. And then because I've gone down in deep and down and come back out the other side, again, that gives me the, the ability, the capacity to empathize and understand other people's experience without judging them for it. We all, like I said, we all have our shadow. We all have our light. We all have our blind spots. We all have our indulge, you know, where we indulge, um, yeah, I just, I want to share this as just to invite you. I love the Enneagram, so that's what I'm presenting today. And I'm just going to stick with that, not go into anything else. And if that piques your interest, great, go for it, get to know about it. But if it doesn't, and there's something else, lean towards that. Because I just think anything that gives you the tools to better understand yourself, you will have a far more easeful and peaceful relationship with yourself and with others. It will help you with your relationships of all kinds. You know, there's a reason why tools are there. They're not there to define you. They're not there to um, keep you in a teeny tiny box. They're there to liberate you. So whatever you feel drawn to, move towards that and use it for your greatest and highest good. Use it for your betterment. betterment. Don't use it to put yourself down. Don't use it to judge and criticize you. It's to help you build self-awareness and you will expand through that self-awareness and you'll recognize that through the expansion, there's a lot more that you can hold within yourself in a much more loving, gentle, kind, patient way. And again, this to me is really about dropping into our heart. And, and holding our entire human experience and our entire human selves and knowing that there is no right or wrong or good or bad. But, you know, these are just ways, you know, the challenging parts help us to grow. And that's interesting, you know, and alchemy is interesting and beautiful, in, in my opinion. <laughs> but I like making things beautiful. That's my personality type and part of my personality type. So, so there's the invitation. Um be curious. Go in with an open mind. Go in with beginner's mind <laughs> and just see what you learn about yourself. And I, I just, uh, yeah. And then if you want to dive deeper, find someone that you want to work with, whether that's me or someone that, that you resonate with, whether they're a coach or a therapist or a breath work practitioner or a yoga teacher, but someone that supports you in, in deepening your own journey, because the support and the community that we build around our inner journey is really important. Because also one thing I will say about humans is that we're very habitual and we get very comfortable being the way that we are. And sometimes growth can feel really threatening especially if there are any taboos that if you do any kind of therapeutic psychological work, that it means that something is wrong with you. That like really needs to be thrown out the window because it's just so not true. You know, that's a very old fashioned taboo. 
But some people still just out of fear want you to stay the same. And, and that's why when people are going through these, these, this self-realization and growth process, sometimes certain friends might fall away, certain family members might fall away, they might fall away momentarily and then they come back in. You might have new people that come into your life. Um, and it's because you're changing and you're perceiving the world in a different way and what has meaning for you might change and what you need might change and what you want to experience might change. And all I want to encourage you to do is to trust that. Ultimately, the more tools you have that help you to get to know yourself better and more profoundly, the more you'll be able to trust yourself. And the more you, you can trust yourself, uh, again, I think the more fulfilling, happy, peaceful your life will be not because it's always easy but because you know how to move through it because you're there with yourself and you're not fighting against yourself you're in partnership with yourself till death do you die till death do you part <laughs> sorry um as i've said in the past you are the relationship you have with yourself will be the greatest most important relationship that you have in this lifetime so be curious be open-minded be courageous. It will take courage and trust. Trust yourself. Listen to yourself. If you don't know how, that's okay. Begin now one small step at a time and make sure that you have the external support as well to help you move through this metamorphosis. So I'll leave it at that. As always, take it or leave it as feels right and loving you from afar. been listening to raw conversations with corinne bloom thanks so much for showing up listening in and being a part of the conversation with me 